Okay. We're live. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. Good morning All and welcome right. to Key Talk. Good morning. <clears throat> I had some small uh, technical organization difficulties for a minute there. <laughs> Already. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. All right. So, ah, introductions. Let's start with introductions. <laughs> okay. So, good morning. I am Stephanie Siren, and I am a fully ordained priestess. Um, initiated and ordained uh, with 20 plus years experience. I'm an intuitive holistic healer and a psychic. And um, I'm also a full-time practicing witch. And um, I help people find their ways back to themselves. And then I'm with my lovely partner in crime and business, <laughs> Megan. And Tell parenting and, and this and that. And <laughs> go on forever. Um, I'm Megan Holman. I am a life coach and personal wellness consultant. And I'm getting ready to launch my program. And I'm also an apprentice Reiki practitioner. And I am here to heal and help heal. So... Um, and then as our special guest for our segment, this is my mom, Lori Brown. Hello. My name is Lori. And I'm drinking my coffee out of BB-8 this morning. <laughs> I wait for you guys, so it's almost done. Anyway, um, I, I am a paranormal consultant. If I were going to call myself a consultant, uh, that's that's where a lot of my personal experience lies. And I'd say you're um, a healer as well. Huh? I'd say you're a healer as well. I am I am definitely a healer and um, studying just continuing to study healing myself and how to help others is really mm -hmm. gratifying and rewarding. So here we are. And today we are doing the last segment of our um, domestic abuse series. And I'm drinking out of my Rin Fair mug because it's got the tree of life on it and I love it. Aww. Um, but, um, and then what, what are you drinking out of? I'm drinking diet, diet Pepsi out of a can, people. I hit the snooze button way too many times. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay, I wait for the caffeine too. Yeah, I'm not fancy this morning, but I, I did change my hair. I did do something, so you're welcome for that. <laughs> If you saw it before, that's why I say it you're welcome. Lovely. Like, oh, right? It, it was lovely. <laughs> All right. So before we uh, don't care. <clears throat> me, I'm still getting over a little bit of a cold. If you're if you're like me, the congestion just hangs on forever, oh, yeah. and then you know allergy season kicked in full gear. So <laughs> yes, for sure. I think we're all suffering today. Um, um, but. Anyways, so before we dive into our topic, Steph is going to lead us through our minds, our mindfulness and meditation activity. Yep, so everyone, let's get comfortable and rub our palms together. I want you to rub them until you feel warmth between them. <clears throat> and what this does is this revs up the prana 
in your body, um, also known as the energy or source energy or your soul, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And if you just feel the little tingly there, feels yeah, real feels good, good. Now you're going to hug yourself with that. And we're going to take three deep breaths, okay? And a deep breath consists of breathing it in, holding it as long as you can, and then breathing it out. So let's just do that. Inhale. And hold. And exhale. And on your second inhale, I want you to feel like you're breathing in all the love from the universe. Just and it's so abundant. It's just coming in for you and filling you up with so much love. So just one more, just second one, go. And hold. And release. And just air comes out because all that love just is staying inside you and igniting a spark inside you to make you feel so much better. Any aches and pains you might have are going away right now so that you may focus and listen to the message we have for you today. One more, our last breath in, deep and replenishing. And hold it, hold it, hold it, feel it. Going to all your limbs, to all your bedrooms everywhere. And then release. That feels so good. And now I will show you the crystals that I brought out for us for today while we're talking about things like self-care and after you leave a domestic violent situation, the best crystal to come out for that is the rose quartz. And I prefer crystals in their raw form because it just feels like they're more connected to the earth. So this rose quartz is here to support us in our self-love and our new endeavors into romantic love when the time is right. This is rough carnelian. Um, it is for power and rooting. It's for our root chakra. And I really felt like we needed that today, just some grounding. Um, as we talk about some uh, practical, real-life things to do today. And I dropped it. Oh. And then I have a piece of the ocean floor off the coast of uh, Los Osos, California, which is like my favorite place in the whole wide world. And um, this reminds me that it's it's super grounding because it's part of the ocean bed. Los Osos, California, which is... So, it's just a nice grounding thing. It reminds you just to stay close to the earth and do your thing. And so here we are with Megan introducing mm -hmm. us into what we're talking about today. And also um, <clears throat> we're gonna be going around and sharing our experiences and how to apply these things practically. All right. Um, so today we're talking about um, domestic violence and just to recap, um, the uh, it it is a it's a, a whew, excuse me. <laughs> Domestic violence is a pattern of behavior that's used to gain and maintain power and control over another person. 
Um, and a lot of the information that we shared this week was based on um, the power and control wheel that was developed by the Domestic Abuse Intervention Project. Um, we also pulled a lot of information from um, the hotline.org's website. They have phenomenal resources. Um, for today's episode, I had to go uh, deep diving <laughs> in, in, a, in a few areas to, to get information. Um, but uh, it's stuff that, you know, like I already knew, but I wanted resources just so people could go out and read for themselves and kind of start that, that learning part of it. Um, and the, the, but the wheel is um, a diagram of, of the tactics that an abusive partner uses to um, keep their victims in a relationship. And um, it's important to po point out that, um, you know, that, that this is adults and teens. It's uh, men and women. They can both be abusers. They can both be abused and that it's also not just romantic relationships although a lot of the information that we shared this week was about our romantic relationships because that was mm -hmm. our personal experience with yes. domestic violence it can be between friends it can be between co-workers it can be between family members um so in in week one through three we taught we covered um the nine to ten different areas of abusive behaviors on the wheel so if you haven't seen those episodes go check out the information on on the wheel of power and control um we also talked about um you know how to start the conversation if you've noticed that something might be going on or you are the victim we talked about um love bombing and um how to support uh, victims as they're as they're trying to uh, figure out what they're going to do, um, how to um, how to create a safety plan if you're ready to leave, um, so that you can get out with the least amount of, of danger as possible. Because um, leaving is the most dangerous part of the relationship aside from if a woman is pregnant that that's like the second most dangerous mm -hmm. is, is if you're pregnant um and 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 we did talk about like why people don't just leave it's not as simple as that it's a myth that you can just get up and walk yeah. away it is the most difficult and the most dangerous and it takes planning to do it safely um we also um talked about uh, last week you know it, it's not just about the victim the abuser needs help too there's patterns there that if they have the motivation and the willingness to do better that they can be changed but there's you know it, it's a difficult process just like healing the survivor is a difficult process which is our topic today is how do survivors when they're finally free what do they do next Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> um, to dive right in, um, he, you know, when, when you're finally out, when you've executed your safety plan and, and mm -hmm. you've reached, you know, wherever you're going to land for the time being while, while you're getting things figured out, whether it, whether it be a shelter or a, a family member or, or a friend's 
home or or a co-worker or you know wherever you've figured out that your safe place is going to be once you get there mm -hmm. there's usually this resounding question of what do i do next <laughs> because there's so much control in place that it's like it's literally mm -hmm. learning how to live your life all over again from scratch because you yeah. don't even know yourself anymore and you don't even oh. trust yourself anymore because mm -hmm. there's so much programming that has to be undone and the it's important to remember that the trauma that you experience affects every aspect of your functioning it affects you biologically it affects you psychologically it affects you socially and so when you're beginning the healing process you need to make sure that your recovery addresses all of these mm -hmm. areas as well there are actually um eight or nine overall areas of personal wellness that really need to be you know paid attention to um and um some of the some of the, there's going to be problems in each of these areas that you're going to experience when you leave um there, there could be physical problems if there was physical or, or sexual abuse um there's also um it's really common for survivors to experience arthritis asthma um chronic pain digestive problems such as stomach ulcers heart problems, irritable bowel syndrome, nightmares and problems sleeping, migraines, headaches, traumatic brain injury if the physical abuse was severe enough, um, sexual problems or pain during intimacy, immune system deficiencies, eating disorders, and even substance abuse as a coping skill. Mm -hmm. um, Psychological problems are going to include, uh, you know, PTSD and CPTSD, depression, anxiety, anger, like, you know, all the, the emotions that you're going to experience and, and, the, and the struggles that you're going to go through. And then social problems include, um, you know, do you have a victim mentality? Uh, codependency traits because when you've been in a domestically abusive relationship, you learn codependency traits to survive. Uh, yes. that has to be unlearned and reprogrammed and then there's also your own unhealthy and toxic relationship patterns and the lack of boundaries or or mm -hmm. overly severe boundaries that you have to to figure out um and you know the first thing that anyone should do is start start learning about it the more you learn about what you've gone through and the more you learn about the struggles that you're now facing on the other side, the better equipped you're going to be when you do have a moment that is, you know, like a PTSD moment, you, you're going to know, it's going to be easier to recognize it and, and, and reach out and ask for help. And it's a good idea for those closest to you to educate themselves as well because you know there's a ripple effect to your your family and your friends are trying to help you but your mindset isn't going to be the best at the beginning of this journey and they're going to have to be really patient and really understand that this is part of the trauma and yes it's their job to hold you accountable but they also need to be patient about it because it takes time um and it's you know it's important to to also point out that the core experience of, of domestic abuse is disempowerment and, and disconnection. And so 
you know, the primary work of a survivor is re-empowering themselves and, and learning how to make new healthy connections, even in relationships that already exist. Um, and, and that, um, you know, trauma, trauma robs the victim of a sense of power and control over their lives. And so when we're taking power and control back, we're going to be a bit overzealous about it, or we're going to be like, there's going to be different reactions to trying to learn how to healthily take that power and control back. But the drive for healing has to come from inside, just like the abuser, you have to want it, and then you have to work for it. Can I make a point there, though? Yes. For sure, I agree with that. However, I think accountability with uh, a couple support people is a great idea as well. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. just because you want it, there might be moments where you have moments of weakness. Mm -hmm. um, right. quote, unquote, which is not weak. It's actually just moments of familiarity of pattern. Yeah. And uh, when we have people outside of ourselves who see our worth, when we have those moments of like, well, it doesn't matter anyway, I can just go back and it doesn't matter because I mean, what are they going to do? I mean, kill me on right. so that I don't have to worry about myself, you know, and it's all these like thought processes that we need to bring to somebody else outside of ourselves and say, hey, this is, you know, I'm thinking about going back because who's going to know me better? Who's going to know me right. better than my own abuser, my own codependent? And honestly... Right. And it's, it's important to have a support system there for that because, again, mm -hmm. it's like we don't know ourselves anymore. We have to relearn exactly. all over again who we are without this person controlling almost everything down to the mm -hmm. air that we breathe, you know. Yes. And, and so it, you do need a support system and learning how to have a healthy relationship can only be done through practice in relationships with others. So that's, you know, I mean, you can learn all you want from books, but until you go out and actually apply it, how are you going to learn to recognize those patterns in yourself? How are you going to learn to recognize those cycles and patterns in other people and decide, okay, this is a healthy relationship or no, this isn't so healthy for me. Right. Right, absolutely, and also, you know, um, and red flags feel like butterflies when you're when you don't know the difference. Red flags feel the same as butterflies. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, for sure. And you know, I was just speaking on this the other day um, to someone about how we get addicted to the dangerous feeling. Uh -huh. We get addicted to the uh, 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 what do you call it? The rush, the adrenaline rush. You know, because we've been shown certain things, you know, and some, something about a narcissist, they're so performative with everything. They're very performative. They will be a chameleon and fulfill everything they need to, even though it's such mm -hmm. a toxic mimic of the real thing, but they will do it. Mm -hmm. And so you can get into an addiction to that where it's like, well, at least I get what looks good i mean even if it's empty or a shell of something you know, or it's really abuse like but everybody else likes it right so it must be okay because the isolation is so big you can tell yourself all these stories right mm -hmm. you know so having people who keep us accountable is so helpful mm -hmm. and and 
And so find yourself at least two to three support people at first. Mm -hmm. Really, it should be five to 10, but but let's be realistic. In these post-COVID times, our, our social uh, groups have kind of gotten smaller. Well, um, and there's also the aspect of you have to relearn how to trust and be vulnerable with people again, because that's been unsafe yeah. for so long. And you also yeah. don't want to set goals for yourself that are unmanageable you want to set smart goals and we can do an episode on on goal setting no matter what area of wellness or mental mm -hmm. mental health that you're working mm -hmm. in because there really are specific steps to setting goals for yourself so that they're achievable and you're not mm -hmm. setting yourself up for failure and more hits mm -hmm. to your self-esteem but two to three people is, is a manageable goal. I think, you know, between family and and friends and even coworkers, you can find two to three people that are like, okay, I feel okay with this person. I'm gonna talk to him about it and see, you know, you know, where it goes. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that way it's like, okay, it's, it's bite-sized pieces. <laughs> well, and understand too, when someone starts sharing their story, they're not going to tell you the worst first. Right, right. They're going to give you the least offensive experience that you've had to test you. Just to see if the ground is safe to step on, you know? Right. And that's a great segment into our next topic because our next topic is going to be about the stages of healing when you're ready to heal. Um, <clears throat> So um, the, the, there are three stages of, of recovery, and this comes from a research paper that I will link in the information of the episode later today. Um, but uh, they talk about that stage one is establishing safety. Stage two is retelling your story. This is the this is the grieving period. This is the mourning period. This is where you're diving deep and you're and you're facing it so that you can release it and it doesn't haunt you anymore. And then stage three is reconnection with others, taking what you've learned to manage inside your personal boundaries and applying it to your relationships with the world. Um, so in step one, establishing safety. <clears throat> Excuse me. It talks about how um, safety takes precedence over everything else. As soon as you're in that final landing place that you've set up for yourself in your safety plan, like your temporary residence, until you get back on your feet and figure things out, um, your 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 safety takes precedence because you can't begin to truly process what's happened to you until you have bodily integrity and environmental integrity in place. And um, it is highly, highly recommended that as soon as you're safe, you see both a physical health care and mental health care professional. Physical health care because if there was physical or sexual abuse, and there's any injuries or, or, or damage to the body or just general physical health care concerns, you want to get your body taken care of and know that you're okay and go for it, Seth. 
Also, uh, stress-related uh, illnesses that yes. can pop up, even anxiety, depression, um, all of those things need to be addressed. It's not just, oh, a bruise or a broken bone. Yeah. It can be so many different things that your healthcare provider is educated on finding. Mm -hmm. Right. In any problem, any concern that you have with your body, you know your body. You know what your body's normal is. And if something doesn't feel normal, that's the time to bring it up. Like, you know, give them the wave. Say, I've got this list and your doctor will start checking it off with you one by one and if you don't know how to come up with a list your doctor will know how to guide you in asking questions to come up with a list of things to check on um you just have to be honest um but once your physical health care is taken care of it's really really important to see um a therapist or or a psychiatrist or or seek a support group or someone that's going to be able to help you take care of your mental and emotional health as well as your your social health because you have to relearn you know how to have a relationship both with yourself and with other people mm -hmm. um and it, you know that that support system is really important because when when you have post-traumatic symptoms it can interfere with your ability to go to work go to school it can interfere it can interfere with your ability to keep up with your homes and your finances or or even care for your children and it's it's just a really important part of taking care of you in in that moment that you know you're out on your own with this because that's it's scary and it's hard and you have to have oh. a support team and your health professionals are part of your support team yes yes absolutely and i and if your healthcare professional tries to interject any of their personal values, find a second opinion because that can happen too. And do not feel discouraged. That just means that they're not good, not you. I've um, had to switch doctors so many times, too. but it's if they don't fit, your 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 needs aren't going to get cared for. And mm -hmm. and learning to advocate for yourself in that way can be really scary and really intimidating because up until this point everything has been controlled you know right and it's it's really scary and intimidating to all of a sudden be in the driver's seat for yourself mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and so you know but yeah trust your this is the time where your intuition really comes into play mm -hmm. trust your gut if something doesn't feel right ask a friend ask a family member ask someone who can who can you know remind you it's okay to get another doctor if you don't like this doctor yes mm -hmm. because and, if and you honestly, don't um use your support people even if it's just one person and i mean for me when i left last year i i didn't know how to even communicate what was happening what the, you'd even been through Right. How do you describe that? You right. It's really hard to describe what you went through. You can't describe it, especially when you've just been in it and just been so codependent mm -hmm. and so um, contained and controlled. And I'm talking every little aspect of my life. And so with Megan, Megan was my person. Mm -hmm. And she did an amazing job. And she helped me have normalcy 
-hmm. And so if you're watching as a support person too, just letting them have that one little thread that they're holding on to, like you hold the other end for them, like mm -hmm. that's that means the world, honest to God, because I'm only a year out pretty much. And it was like a year ago around this time that I left my domestically violent situation and got a divorce. Mm -hmm. And um, I, day by day, I didn't even feel human. I, it's so fresh still in my mind. It's very dehumanizing. Very. And so this lady, my best friend who like anybody can do that for you guys it doesn't have to just be your best friend it could be anybody but she showed up and she just kept at me being present mm -hmm. that was the biggest thing being mm -hmm. present listening to me just being a shoulder and an ear and allowing me to cry it out when i had the realizations and they came especially as we closed the uh the communication you know i had her hold me accountable you know and then i had more friends hold me accountable and and it helped a lot because my my ex was at the point where you know he was desperate so he was trying every which way to get at me to get me back in communication with him and get me back into um, some kind of way that he can be my energetic vampire and just mm -hmm. zap me for everything, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and so it was these people that helped and your support people are so, so, so important. But also even at a year now, I'm still learning self-care still. Mm -hmm. And I teach self-care, but it's so mm -hmm. much easier to tell somebody else how to it's do gonna... it than to follow your own advice. Yeah. You apply your own advice and your own uh, teachings. Isn't that hilarious? And but, so, you know, at the, at the same time, in a way, that makes us very down-to-earth teachers. And I think that humbleness and that humility factor makes us human because when we say we get how hard it is to start mm -hmm. putting these practices into place and to do them consistently and 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 to and you know it takes hard work to benefit from them we say that because it's a statement of personal experience we've been there we've had to do all of these things that we're telling you about and we understand how frustrating it gets and how impatient you feel because you just want the results now i just i want to feel better now but it doesn't work that way it's like you just got a whole new set of instructions for a brand mm -hmm. new uh, uh, automobile or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. like this one has buttons for everything or it's got voice control instead of mm -hmm. right. the old analog whatever thing you had, you know, like it's just, it's a whole new thing. It's, mm -hmm. it's a whole new way of life. And right. honestly, guys, like even as a spiritual leader, I forget my self-care sometimes. Like last week, I'll give you a, an example. And then we need to move on. Yes. I behind again. like most of my self-care for a week because I was sick and I was tired and I was working on so many projects. That throws 
everything out of whack in your life. Everything, every aspect. So the most important thing you can do is build a routine. And we're going to talk about that actually. Right, Meg? Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's what I wanted to interject was building a routine and keeping with it is so important. <coughs> and we're going to talk about that in self-care. Yeah. Okay. So there are several aspects during the establishing safety phase. There, there are several patterns, there are several behaviors that your therapist or, or your mental health care professional, whoever you're seeing, is going to help you with. Um, the first thing that they're probably going to start teaching you is mindfulness, which is a practice of being fully in the moment, both within um, your mind, your body, and your environment. Um, it involves learning how to calmly acknowledge your thoughts, feelings, and bodily sensations because you have to learn to feel safe in your own body again. We need to recognize that we have control of our bodies, that our bodies are a safe place to inhabit in because that disassociation mm -hmm. is such an automatic thing when you reach a certain point that you just shut down and disconnect. And you have to learn to inhabit, you know, your body fully again. Um, you, this means, um, you know, you have to start paying attention to your basic health needs. You, you need to, you need to sleep. You need to eat. You need to exercise. You, you're going to be learning how to manage your PTSD symptoms. Um, and and you need to abstain from from substances because substances are are gonna shut you down they're gonna exacerbate any disassociation that you have going on and it's gonna make it really difficult for you to reconnect with your body because you're just traumatizing it all over again unless it's a, a prescription or a medical need you really should abstain from anything um, you yeah, have to learn yeah. to accept and and feel your emotions again because for so long your emotions were not safe you had to stay cool you had to stay calm you had to stay blank slate you were a survivor that was all that mattered but now you have to deal with the emotional aftermath and that mm -hmm. means learning to be safe and comfortable with your emotions no matter the intensity and it's gonna get intense because you know, mm -hmm. when someone harms you, that's a deep, deep wound that you have to, that you have to now face because mm -hmm. again, you know, we weren't created to harm each other. So it's, mm -hmm. it's counterintuitive to, to our nature when someone harms us. Mm -hmm. So um, you have to learn to feel safe with your thoughts and emotions again. You have to stop suppressing them. It's that, that natural fight that this is getting big, it's too scary. If, 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 I, if I start crying, I'm never going to stop. If I start grieving, I'm never going to stop. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's more about finding a way to express those emotions safely. So when they rise up, uh, you know, you, you do some deep breathing, you recognize that, um, <clears throat> you recognize that, you know, I'm feeling this emotion and I'm, I'm feeling it very, very intensely and this is going to last 90 seconds. So let's count to 90 and, um, journal your feelings, get it out of your mind. If you don't know what to do, use a writing prompt. Like, what am I feeling today? Go to your family, go to your friends, go to your support group. 
cry and scream if you need to. Just sit on your couch and scream at the top of your lungs. If it gets it out of your body, do it. But mindfulness, you know, mindfulness is going to teach you how to work with those emotions, no matter their intensity level or duration, and how not to be afraid of them anymore. I'd like to address the 90 second thing too, because some people might not be uh, familiar with that practice. Mm -hmm. And um, with the 90 second thing, what Megan is, is speaking on is if you don't give your body story, if you just let it express the emotion with wild abandon <laughs> and let it go, it's only going to last 90 seconds because you don't need your mind to tell you story about it. You don't need it to say anything. Just let it go. Then you can you just start gotta feel it. thoughts. But you need to get it outside of your body. Because if you let these emotions sit inside your body, they will rot. They will make you sicker. So what you need to do is express it outward. And it'll only take 90 seconds. I can sob profusely for a good full 90 seconds and get it out of my body and so can you and it may come in waves it does for me like it'll hit me and I'll get through the first 90 seconds and then I'm okay and then 10 to 15 minutes later it'll hit me again and I'm like okay mm -hmm. we're doing this again 90 more seconds I get through the 90 seconds and then I'm okay and it may come in waves like that it may come in batches, you know, it just happens in the morning and then you're cool or you have a rough afternoon or you have a rough evening or it may, you know, be your whole day. But you just approach it one 90 second interval at a time. We also joke in our house that the shower is the crying area. Oh, I totally <laughs> cry in the shower. Yeah. If, if you have a schedule to keep <laughs> and you need a good cry, you go in the it's shower. Like, go in the I, shower, I, I, yeah. Fill, I fill the bathtub up and climb in and that's it. It's <laughs> time. That's so funny. Um, it's a, a, In mindfulness, they're also going to teach you to learn to recognize the effects of your own trauma. And, and basically what that is is learning how to recognize your PTSD symptoms. Um, you know, if you have trouble sleeping at night, if you have panic or anxiety attacks, if you have flashbacks of the abuse, uh, low self-esteem, feelings of, of self-hate, fear, eating disorders, suicidal thoughts, like those are the things that you need to take to your therapist because it's really easy to beat ourselves up and go, what's wrong with us? When really what's happening is, is, is a reaction to trauma that's out of our control at the moment. And all we need are coping skills to learn how to, okay, I'm having a PTSD moment. What do I need? You know, and it takes a while to, to get there, but it, you know, your, your mental health professional, they're, they're going to help you. They're trained to do this. And, and it's the it's getting better like PTSD and, and trauma it's getting a lot of attention so that specific yeah. area of it it's starting to get better um, you're also gonna start understanding how important it is for you to be on this journey on this healing journey because you know when you first get started it's really intimidating it's really big you, you don't want to face this stuff. I already lived through it once. Why do I have to go back there? Can't we just leave it in the past and move on? It really doesn't work that way. If you're not, if you don't address it, then it just lives in your body and the trauma continues. And so you, you have to start um, recognizing in this first phase of healing that um, 
you know, part of regaining your bodily integrity and your environmental integrity is being willing to get uncomfortable and dive deep so that you can heal the wound where it lays and take its power away. And then you're back in control. Because yeah. until that's done, your trauma always has part of your control. And if you want your full power and control back, you have to go there, you have to face it, you have to heal it. You have to move it out of your system. Um, and, and um, you know, it's not all bad because you get uh -oh. to, you know, you learn about your negative thought cycles and feelings and, and, and you learn how to take care of your own needs, but you also learn how to develop closer and happier, healthy relationships with your support system. You also find ways to start relieving the pain and the pain doesn't seem so big anymore after a while. And, and you're like, oh my gosh, you know, when you hit that moment where you finally see the light at the end of the tunnel, you're like, this really can have an end. Sorry. Mm -hmm. No, you're fine. You're doing great. <laughs> that shows exactly Reaching like for my been there. Yeah, it's, you know, nine years now and I'm still working on it, but I see that light finally and it's relieving and I, I can't even express how relieving it is to know that I'm going to be okay. I'm really going to be that person that I want to be. I just have to keep working right. on it, you know? Um, but you also well, can take back your hobbies and learn new hobbies and, and you know. Find a place where you can bring joy out to play. And that yeah. was a big one for me. I, I do Renaissance fairs and I have for forever. And um, that was the one place because I was stopped. And that was the one place that mm -hmm. he couldn't get me. I knew I was safe. I was, I had what, 50 brothers carrying swords. And, <laughs> you know, I had all these big brothers <laughs> up there. Nobody gonna pick on me, but it, you know what, that's where I learned to play again, was in that environment for me was so safe because I knew everybody and, you know, and I was, it was, so find your joy. It's there. Absolutely. Yeah. Play is so huge. I agree completely with that statement. And in fact, that was the things that I did when I left, like, I want to say this mm -hmm. January for sure, I found things that made me happy and I did that mm -hmm. um, I wasn't allowed to travel by myself in my marriage um, and so as soon as I left one of the things that I did for myself was I will rob Peter to pay Paul or whatever I need to do to <laughs> yeah. And I am flying my happy butt all over this United States. Right. And uh, that's what I that's what I decided to do and I did. I achieved it. I traveled all over and um, I'm going to be doing more things like that because play is so important for people who have gone through these traumatic events. My loves, you need to even out the uh, the energetics of, mm -hmm. of pain versus Balancing happiness it. and right. bliss and yeah. life. Because the it's pain's going to be there. It's always going to be there. It never entirely goes away. And, and yep. that's that's a point that I wanted to bring up about healing is, is that you have to be patient with yourself because 
the memories never go away, but their mm -hmm. power and their intensity do. Yes. And you yes. measure your healing and you measure your progress in how you're able to manage and remain in control when you have a PTSD moment. Um, like, and, and I'm writing some blog posts about this, but when I, when I ran into my ex at a public event that I went to, I, I had a panic attack because of some behavior that reminded me of, of the, the stalking and the, and the threats yeah. and, and the everything else after I left. Um, but, you know, I had my husband in the car with me. I had my mother in the car with me. I had my children in the car with me. And even though I had tears streaming down my face, I was okay. And I was yeah. able to just sit there and remind myself I'm safe. I'm okay. These tears are for who I used to be. And, um, that girl that had so much hope and right. And instead of, instead of being screwed up for, um, instead of being trapped in this PTSD episode for hours on end, I had waves where it would come mm -hmm. and it would last like five to 10 minutes. And I was like, okay, I'm okay again. And then I could mm -hmm. go about my day and then it would last like five to 10 minutes. Yeah. And then I was okay. And I went about my day and I just I had that. to learn, mm -hmm. okay, I'm going to have a few days where I'm just going to have these five to 10 minute lapses of, of, of old programming and old emotions and, and, and old fear. And mm -hmm. I just have to sit down and give them their time and take care of myself through that. Because what I'm doing when I'm giving myself that time is I'm I'm putting my arms around who I was at 24 to 27 years old and telling her it's okay because I've got this now. That's right. Um, woo! <laughs> um, anyways, to continue. <laughs> Megan, you have an amazing ability to bring up feeling and process it. Oh. It just naturally comes out of you and yeah, I can't stop it sometimes. It's just like, well, and so it's that, that, <laughs> yeah, I've had to learn to just roll with it. That's part I of like, who I am yeah. and that's okay. Well, and yeah, might I interject, uh, Megan, you also embody what other people are feeling while they're watching our program. So, of course, because you're an empath, empath you're going yeah. to uh, carry that and actually show what it looks like. And so for the people who are watching who feel alone, this is your you're not alone moment mm -hmm. right here because we've walked this. We've done it first so that we can help you. And and that's what Megan does. She does it first and then she shows the humanness of it, you know. Absolutely. It's raw and it's beautiful. Yes. Ah. Yes. <laughs> I, you know what, honestly, I'm not there yet. I wish I could cry like that. Part of my trauma shut down that ability to cry. And it took me a while. It yeah, took me a while really, to really break free of the disassociation. Right. You know what? I, I, you know, I said when I was just about ready to leave, um, and right around that same time, the disassociation was so hard 
that like I said, somebody in the other room was feeling my feelings for me. That's how it felt all the time. Yeah. It felt like someone even, even, and I hate to like bring this up, but it is, it's a thing. Um, even being intimate with my ex when that was happening right before I left, um, because there was desperation there, of course. Um, it felt like somebody else was doing it. Like somebody else was in, in it's like the an next out of body thing. Like I wasn't there. Yeah, it's an out of body thing. It's really yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it takes a long time to get in touch with the emotions and even be able to say this is what I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. You know, it takes a long time, and you need to be patient with yourself because it took me a good six months even to realize what I was. Feeling feeling on these different levels of safety, of self-care, of identity, of uh, what what I'm supposed to do with myself in these situations, boundaries, you know, all these things. It's been, um, I left when I was three to four months pregnant and it's been 10, (laughs) it's been 10 years now and only in the last year or two have I been able to reach that moment where emotions mm-hmm. that that level where emotions just flow freely and mm-hmm. I'm not fighting them anymore right right that is a really important point fighting your feelings because it's hard to it's hard to let go it takes self we need to we need Trust. to keep going because we're at an hour and we're only like a fourth of a way through our content. Oh, oh good goodness. lord, look Check at us. Up. Check this up. Yeah, mm. Okay, so um another thing that you're going to learn in stage 1 is reframing. It's creating um positive and uh, a positive and growth-centered mindset. Um, you're, you're learning how to catch your negative thoughts. You're learning how to acknowledge them and identify them. Um, warning words that you need to reframe is that you're using the words, um, always, never, should, or must. If you're using those words, it's, it's a necessary reframe because you're either, um, you're either um, expecting too much of yourself or you're, you're in victim mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, something that you can do to, to help yourself is is um, put positive affirmations up around your house where you're going to see them and you're going to read them because just reading them when you pass by wherever you have mm-hmm. them posted is going to start retraining your mind frame and teaching your inner voice new language to use. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. When you get to a point where you're able to um, recognize, oh, I'm, 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 I'm thinking negatively or I'm, I'm criticizing myself or I'm, I'm minimizing or I'm, you know, any of these mm-hmm. patterns that mm-hmm. we do in our thoughts, you know, um, you can start changing them. So instead of, for example, he was right, I can't do anything on my own, that becomes I'm more capable than I think, even if I'm mm-hmm. still learning and growing. Or I'm a strong, yeah. capable person and I deserve respect. Um, you're also going to start focusing on the lessons that you took out of 
your experiences instead of just the pain and the trauma. Like, yes, this really hurt me, but what did I learn well, from it? What and that's the from this? That's the purpose of pain and trauma, actually. Mm -hmm. it, and you want to move us forward, right? And you want to celebrate every positive step forward that you make, no matter how small. They're also going to teach you self-care and self-soothing routines. Um, self-care is is you know, creating new and healthy routines that are going to help you take care of your overwhelmness. You're going to focus on taking care of your physical body, your your mental health, um, you know, your your self confidence. Um, this is where you set a consistent morning and a consistent evening routine so that you can make sure that all of your needs are met. And then you take mindfulness moments during the day to check in with yourself and go, okay, am I still okay? Or do I need something right, right you know, in this moment? Um, exercising at least 30 minutes a day is what's recommended. Um, it doesn't matter what it is, if it's yoga, if it's dance, it's, if it's walking or running, if you're doing kickboxing or martial arts, whatever you're doing, at least getting up and moving your body around for 30 minutes a day, it's proven to help release grief and pain that's trapped mm -hmm. in your body and you're also taking care of yourself and you're getting outside and you're doing something so it feels good. And part, um, of, my, part of my routine is just getting dressed every day. Right. Right. Taking the time, I have, a, you know, I usually have a 10 o'clock goal set where, um, you know, I, I put on clean clothes, I fix my hair up a little bit, you know, throw some mascara on, and it's, that to me is taking care of myself. Right. I get up it's, in the morning, I make sure yeah. I've eaten, I take care of my pain management, right. I check in on my kiddos, make sure they've had breakfast and that they've gotten their day started. And then I sit down in my front yard with my cup of tea and I get on the phone with Stephanie and I go, all right, what are we working on today? You know? <laughs> Say hello to Salem, everybody. Hi, Hi Salem, baby. <laughs> um, so mine's a little bit different. Mine is like, um, I wake up in the morning and I try to not grab for my phone because usually that's my lifeline and it's not a good idea. Um, I was just told by one of my uh, yoga teachers a while ago that um, you should stay away from your phone for the first 10 minutes of your day. <coughs> so I've been trying to do that one. Um, vitamins, of course, mm. and, and medication. Medications, right. And then I meditate, and then I either do yoga or dance. And the, the, the dance could be anything as long as it's movement, moving the energy in my body mm -hmm. and making me feel happy because I was a dancer as a child, and I danced a lot, mm -hmm. actually. Um, and it makes me very happy. And then I also go outside, and um, I either garden or I just ground with my bare feet in the dirt. That's one of my favorites, too. Mm -hmm. Yep, I have my feet under my willow tree. <laughs> I'm a wild child. If yep. I could be, uh, if it wasn't so cold, I would love to be wild camping right now. That is my favorite thing to go do is just convene with Mother Earth. Right. I do say I love it. And so when I'm feeling down or I'm feeling in pain or something, because I have a chronic pain uh, issue that I manage daily, yeah. um, part of it, my, my partner and I, he and I uh, go outside because we both have chronic illness. We go outside 
and we ground and we face the sun and we close our our eyes mm-hmm. and our, we hug ourselves and um it helps a lot to feel like held by the earth and mm-hmm. and just like it's part of a self-care thing mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. um so for self-soothing routines this is these are your coping skills these are how you calm yourself how you ground yourself when when you're struggling this is how you stay centered and mindful um through your daily experience this can include activities like like step with saying meditation grounding breathing Mm -hmm. exercises this is also the part where you want to embrace your um your creativity um, integrate your pain or your triggers into whatever chosen medium it is. Do, are, are you a writer? Do you like to draw? Do you paint? Do you play or write music? Do you like crafts? Is it dance? Is it, you know, whatever way you enjoy expressing yourself, learn to take your thoughts and your pain and your grieving process and put it into that medium so that you're channeling it somewhere outside of your body. And art therapy is actually proven to help it's good. It's with, with PTSD symptoms. And the point is to release the emotions and the memories so that they're not living inside of you anymore. And then what's really cool is it becomes a visual representation of your own process, something that you can be proud of and be like, dude, look what I, I took this and I made this. How cool is that? You know, you get right. to celebrate yourself for, for something that you've done. Um, once your once your bo- once your body and emotional integrity are secure, your therapist is going to start helping you establish your environmental integrity. This includes, you know, establishing a safe living system or a living situation. This includes accessing resources and establishing financial security. This includes, you know, if if you need to learn on a budget, if you need to figure out how to get a car, if you and and you should also be planning for your long term self-protection depending on um you know your personal situation if you need ongoing protection your therapist is going to help you access resources to get that um they're also going to help you address any other dangers that might be present um you know such as as uh self-harming behaviors um passive failures to protect yourself like if you're not setting boundaries if you're not protecting yourself they're going to hold you accountable for it because it's your job to do that now mm-hmm. and um and and any any um you know pathological dependency on on your abuser that addiction um piece of it it, you know, they can help you get through that too, because that can be incredibly difficult to work through. Mm-hmm. And and remember, you know, it's important to remember that this step, each of these steps, they're going to take their own amount of time. Um, you know, everybody's different, and it depends on, um, you know, it depends on what you've been through and what you need to work through in order to get to that place where you finally feel safe in your environment mm-hmm. and 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 you become aware of the resources that you have and how to start putting them into place it's reclaiming it's reclaiming right it's relearning it's reclaiming it's right you never lose yourself 
who you are at your core just becomes buried deep down inside and you have to uncover it and dig it back up mm -hmm. and then re-nurture who that person is and, and mm -hmm. it, it is it's reclaiming it's relearning it, it, it's taking back not but it's also such a beautiful discovery so, so beautiful and it's so wonderful and it can be so much better than you ever realized and if you're on the precipice of exiting a situation like this i promise you it gets really 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 good just hold on just to hold on and let go and let go at, at, like hold on to yourself and let go of all the other bs mm -hmm. and just exit and choose you because yep. the moment you choose you oh my god it's amazing it really is so in stage two one once you've established your safety and you're ready to move to the next stage of healing this is where you start telling your story now this is the hard part this is the ugly part because you have to go back to your past and revisit everything that you've experienced but the reality is that's the only way through there's no other exit yep. and it is yep. a choice are you going to live with this hanging over your head or are you going to go back and are you going to revisit it so that you can get through it and 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 let go for good because you've already experienced it the worst is over Going through it is hard, but it's survivable because you survived the actual act. So mm -hmm. you can survive revisiting it. Um, so, you know, once you've got your safety and your emotional regulation skills in place, your, your therapist is going to start walking you through telling your story in depth and detail. Um, this is a reconstruction that transforms the memories and integrates them into part of your life story it's it's something that happened to you it's not who you are or who you have to be um we learn that in that we all have to make the choice to confront our own horrors and and it's not just the events themselves but it's the emotions and the responses to the event as well, and the responses of the important people in our lives and, and, and you know, how they responded in our time of need too. Um, we, it, we learn to integrate and maintain our new sense of safety as we process this. That's the, that's the challenge is we've done all the learning, we have all the coping skills, then when we get to stage two and we're revisiting the trauma, that's where the practice of really applying those coping skills comes into play because you are going to feel re-traumatized. You are going to feel unsafe again going there, but mm -hmm. you've gotten the mindfulness and the reframing and, and the self-soothing skills to remind yourself, no, I'm okay. This just really hurts yeah. really hard. Um, yeah. and you Talk also, yourself through it. you're, 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 you're gonna want to be patient with yourself because you're want to gonna go, okay, let's just go, go, go. Let's do it. Let's talk about it. Let's get it over with. Mm -hmm. But your therapist is going to make you move through it at a specific pace because you can, you know, there's two 
consequences of not taking your time with it. You can either avoid the memories, which creates stagnation and leaves you stuck in, in whatever mindset and emotional pain that you're in, you just stay there. Or there's going at it too fast and too um, aggressively and you can end up re-traumatizing yourself by trying to, to go at it at the wrong pace. So you, you need to be open and communicate with your therapist. You need to allow your therapist to slow you down and pace you so that you're not going through it at a pace that's going to hurt you or leave you stagnant. Um, and your story may change as missing pieces and blank spots in your memory resurface. Uh, it's 10 years later and I'm still remembering details mm -hmm. and events and facts and there's also things that I still don't have a full memory of that I have to check in with other people. Did it happen this way or did it not? Because I can't remember. Um, and, and that's normal. That's, you know, it's normal. There's going to be pieces and they're going to come flying in and you're going to be like, holy crap, because your natural tendency is to suppress the information to protect your system. So as your system so feel it for 90 seconds. a safer place to be and you're working through these memories, those holes are going to start getting filled in. So the story is going to change and it's okay. You're not making things up. You're not lying. You're not being dramatic. Anyone who says those things just doesn't understand the way that memory suppression and trauma works. Um, exactly. There's going to be, um, you, you know, this is your grieving process. This stage two where you're deep diving, where you're telling your story, where you're really talking about the details, this is your grieving process. We have to grieve and mourn the experiences of our past. We have to grieve the losses. We have to grieve the pain. We have to grieve the, the anger. Um, you know, we may fear that if we tear down the dam and let the walls fall that it's just never going to stop and we're going to be swept away with the current, but that's not true. Again, remember, it doesn't matter what intensity it is, if you let go of the story, you can hang in there for 90 seconds, you're going to get through it. And if you can't do it alone, have someone sit on the couch with you while you do it. Be like, you know, I'm having a hard time, I need someone to just sit here with me quietly for a couple mm -hmm. of minutes and get me through this. Mm -hmm. um, and the time is going to come when the story, when your story no longer activates those intense, powerful emotions. The emotions are still going to be there, but they're going to come at a much more manageable level. And, and that's how you mark your own growth, too, is, wow, look, this is still really sad. I'm still angry about it. Mm -hmm. I'm still upset about it. It still hurts like hell. But check me out i'm okay this isn't control this isn't taking over the moment it's just existing in it with me you know um and and remember that growth and healing is measured in the duration of our trauma responses and the coping skills that we choose to put into place for ourselves while those responses are happening you're always going to have triggers you're always going to have moments where you struggle what matters is how much power you give to those moments and and do you control those reactions through the coping skills and the self-soothing techniques that you've learned. Um, you're you're gonna you're gonna work on forgiving yourself because a lot of us hold a lot of guilt and a sense of responsibility that doesn't belong to us, mm -hmm. and we have to um, 
reconstruct the belief systems that we put into mm -hmm. place that made this horribly painful behavior make sense to us at the time. And the easiest, you know, one of the easiest ways to do that is to buy into the story that it was our fault, that we did something wrong, that we caused this somehow. And that's not true because it's always a choice. Um, you're also going to work on your victim effects, your codependent behaviors. In stage two, that's where you really dive into it and you start making the changes to your behavior, but you have to learn to identify that behavior first. And, and codependent behaviors include, um, you know, if something happens, you minimize the situation or you catastrophize the situation. Um, if you people please, mm -hmm. if you use manipulation to get your needs met, if you excuse red flags and boundary issues, if you have a fear of ab abandonment, if you if you overly seek validation, like that hero seeking behavior, oh, yeah. I need someone to save me. Um, right, damsel in distress syndrome. Right, if you tolerate harmful behavior. Um, a part of this is also um, a part of this is also a victim mentality, um, which is a subconscious way that we develop of coping with our traumas because we haven't learned healthy ways to cope with traumas or difficult times. And that can look like taking comments from others personally and absorbing them. Um, blaming others for the way your life is, thinking life is against you, developing a negative view of life, you don't feel in control of anything that's happening around you, you feel stuck, you feel attacked when you're given feedback, um, you, you, you have difficulty examining yourself and making changes, um, you know, zero responsibility, and we have to learn that we need to take responsibility for our own ability to control our actions and how we respond to the actions of others because really we have a lot of power and control we've just forgotten how much power and control we have or we were never taught how much power and control we have in the first place and how to healthily wield it and we have to remember that no one else can rescue us we have to be our own heroes and we have to do the work for ourselves. Our loved ones can support us, they can encourage us, they can give us affection and care, but the work, the real healing, that is all up to us. We choose it or we don't. Um, and it's hard and you're gonna need that support system to get through it because there's gonna be times when it gets big and it gets scary and you're like, oh, forget this, I changed my mind, you know, and you're gonna have those weak moments. And so you have to have that support system there to go, but look how far you've come already. Are you really ready to give up when you've already seen right. this much progress? Keep going. You can do this. I've got you. You have to have those people. There's There were yes. a couple of times where I hit a point in my program and I was just like, oh, forget this. And I was done for like a year. And then I had to work up the courage to go back. And my husband <laughs> gently prodded me back, you know. <laughs> So, um, you know, it happens, but it, we have to, we have, we have control over who we spend time with and where we don't have mm -hmm. to spend time with people that, that make us feel bad. And we don't have to give them time that, you know, we don't want to, um, we have to practice our self-love, our, our self-care, our compassion, 
We need to be journaling or expressing our emotions through other healthy outlets. Um, we have the power of no. Saying no mm -hmm. is a choice and you have every right to say no if you're not available for something. You gotta check in with yourself and, and learn to be comfortable with saying no. And there's also, you know, we need to educate ourselves. We need to be reading books. We need to be reading about psychology. We need to be reading about codependency and PTSD and, and, and domestic abuse because the more knowledge that we have, the more we learn about ourselves and what we went through, the, the mm -hmm. better off we're gonna be because it's just more tools and more information that we can apply to this process with ourselves. And, and finally, um, we're going to be doing boundary work in stage two because the rules that we put in place to teach others how we expect to be treated, a lot of the times are non-existent when we come out of a domestic abuse relationship. There were no boundaries except for our partners. and. So it can be really uncomfortable to start setting yep. those boundaries because we're so used to having none. But as healthy individuals, we have to have boundaries and we deserve to have boundaries. There are lines in the sand. No, you're not allowed to treat me this way and this is how I'm yep. going to respond if you do. Um, and we don't just set boundaries with others. Healthy survivors set boundaries with themselves that they're going to continue to work on growth, that they're going to continue to work on self-improvement, that they're going to continue setting and maintaining healthy boundaries, that they're not going to back down and go back to where they were because that urge can get really strong sometimes. So we have to set boundaries with ourselves that we're not going to go back because it's comfortable and it's what we know and we know how to survive there. We have to right. commit to... Okay, I don't know how to live differently yet, but I'm going to stay on the journey until I figure it out. Because this isn't just about me, this is about my kids, too. I've got to teach them how to do it different, too. Um, and, and, you know, it, it's common to go, well, how long is this going to last? How long is this going to take? Healing is a lifelong process. Period. Um, you're always going to experience triggers. You're always going to experience the memories, the pain and is, is always going to be there. And a good rule of thumb is that if you are putting in everything you have into your process, you are dedicating yourself to your healing process for twice the length of the relationship that started your trauma, that's a good rule of thumb. That's what mm -hmm. my therapist has told me multiple times. Take the length of your relationship and multiply it by two. If it was two months, you need four months. If it was two years, you need four years. If it was 10 years, you need 20 years. You know, like, that's why it's a lifelong process. Because if you figure out, you know, like in your 40s, oh crap, I've been a in a domestically abusive relationship mm -hmm. for 10 years. <laughs> well, guess what? 20 years might be what I have left, but okay, let's do it, you know? So, you know what? That, that, this anyway. You just described me. <laughs> I know! Yeah. But, but however, though, I don't look at it as 20 years. Instead, I just tell myself this is a lifelong yes. commitment yeah. to myself, period. Really? I, I just have to adjust it it's to a lifestyle, to want period. A timeline. I think it's normal to want a timeline, but the reality is there is no timeline. 
You're going to be managing your symptoms. You're going to be managing your traumas for the rest of your life because they leave a permanent imprint on you. And you can still learn to be a person who isn't controlled by them, but you will always have to manage them. Um, in stage three of healing, that's where we really start reconnecting with our lives. When we've done the safety work, when we've done the, the processing and the deep diving work, um, this is where we're like, we, you know, our, our lives from our front fence to our back fence are golden. We've got it down. There's some management that needs to be done. There's some extra learning that needs to be done. There's always continual growth. But now it's time to take what we've learned and what we've applied in our immediate environment and start addressing how do we reconnect with the world around us at large. Um, yeah. This is the part where the survivor starts rebuilding their lives in the present while continuing to develop their new sense of self. This is where they start developing new relationships. Even if the relationship is one that already exists, we begin to rebuild and re-engage those relationships with the healthy patterns of behaviors and boundaries that we've now learned. Sometimes that's going to mean losing people because everybody's on a different stage in their journey and it's painful, but it's okay because this is about you, not anyone else. Um, and anyone who really wants to be in your life will work on themselves and catch up to you when they're ready to have a relationship at the level that you're requiring. Exactly. Um, this is, uh, you know, we, we find new and sustaining faith and belief in ourselves, And this is where, you know, we revisit the, the first stage of healing and recovering where we're examining our needs. But instead of approaching it from a defensive, how do I take care of myself? How do I protect myself stance? We reapproach those needs from... How do I focus on re-engaging with the world around me and still take care of myself while I'm out there? Because um, you were very isolated, even from right. friends and family, you know, so it's right. re-engaging, but you're also <clears throat> stepping up and reclaiming relationships with people who got pushed away. Right. So it's how do you go out and re-engage with the world at large and keep your healthy boundaries and keep your self-care practices that you've now put in place right. for yourself. Right. Um, many oh, of us, honey, I shed so many people. It yeah, just happened, know you know, too. like there were too. so many people that just could not come with me on this journey of healing. I did. And, too. you know, like they just, they couldn't align energetically with who I am now. And that's okay. You're going to shed people because you're shedding a whole situation, a whole lifestyle, you know, so it's okay. And you're going to change. You're not going to be the same person that you were before because the person that existed when you were in that relationship was an unhealthy, traumatized person. And you are moving from being unhealthy and traumatized to being healthy and revitalized in who you are 
and what you want from this world. And if there's someone who is not comfortable with those changes, it means that they were benefiting from your pain. And we have a buzzword in our house. Those That's aren't people that you need to wait okay. around for or try to make them understand. When they're ready to understand, Not at all. they will catch up to you. And, and you know what? And you don't have to explain it to them. You don't no. owe anybody an explanation unless you want to. In our house, we use this buzzword. We call it replenish. Right. And we do it for everything. Mm-hmm. And we say that about ourselves, too. Like, I need to replenish right now. Mm-hmm. You know? Just go do it. And... Some people, the people that are in your tribe or whatever, are going to get that, are going to get that you need to replenish your your self-love tank and your energy tank and all those often. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and the people who will get it will get it. Right. Everybody. So in this third stage of healing, this is where you're going to set your agenda for your life. These are your long-term goals. Now you're thinking on a grander scale. Before you were doing short-term goals. How do I learn to be this new person? How do I learn to take care of myself? How do I get myself fully out of this situation? Now you're thinking about the rest of your life. I have all this time. I've done all this work. Now what do I want to do with it? Who do I want to be? What do I want to go out there and achieve? Um, you're going to have healthy boundaries in place. You're going to begin reestablishing appropriate trust with others, building out your relationships, building your social circles. Um, (coughs) you're also going to learn when to give your trust and when to withhold it and how to tell the difference between individuals that you should trust or that are getting off red flags and you should withhold trust from. Um, you're going to be able to use healthy autonomy. You're going to be able to express your point of view and maintain your point of view and your boundaries while remaining connected to others. You're not going to have to retreat to maintain that anymore. Um, we're going to actively recognize the ways in which our trauma affected ourselves and our children and loved ones, and we're going to be actively practicing those coping skills and teaching both ourselves and our children to do it differently because that's how we change cycles of trauma and abuse as we teach the next generation to do it differently once we've learned to do it differently ourselves. Um, We're going to have relationships that are based on love and intimacy. That's a biggie. Love and intimacy. Real love and intimacy. Mm -hmm. And then there's some of us (laughs) who are going to choose not to just, you know, process our pain and let it go but to use it as a transformative tool. And there are those of us who are gonna go out with survivor missions and we're gonna say, I'm gonna take this and I'm gonna give it purpose and use it to change someone else's life. And then there are also those that are gonna say, forget this, I want justice. And they're gonna go after justice. Um, and, and, And then from there, you, you just get to keep building and, and keep exploring and, and you're always going to go back to those core tools and you can always go back and recheck in with your therapist or maintain treatment or whatever systems that you have in place for yourself. You know, they stay really important. And then once you're through your healing process, then comes the big question. Well, how do I have a healthy relationship again? do I try again? And some people are going to be like, nah, I'm good. 
I'm not interested in a relationship. And that's okay. That's something that they're not ready for. Um, I kept trying to recreate what I wanted. And then, but then, you know, there's also some of us that struggle with letting go of our ex. And I wanted to touch on this piece that we do struggle with letting go of our ex. And you, you, you know, remember we loved this person. We gave ourselves to this relationship and it's hard to walk away from that kind of commitment. But mm -hmm. we have to understand that it can feel hard to leave and move on because losing any relationship brings grief. But you were controlled and your decisions were made for you. And there's a loss of confidence and it's normal, again, to be insecure about being in the driver's seat for the first time. And when you're struggling with leaving and moving on, think back to who you were before when you were in the relationship with that person. That person is gone and the abuse doesn't define you anymore. You don't have to be that person anymore. Mm -hmm. um, remind yourself why you left. It's normal to miss them. Just remember that you made the right choice and it's normal to look back with rose-colored lenses because you loved this person. Ask yourself if it was a good relationship. Write out the reasons that you left. Did you have to walk on eggshells? Were they constantly being verbally abusive? Was, you know, what was going on? Why did you leave? Remind yourself of why you left because those reasons are gonna, are gonna make you feel a little bit stronger and more secure. Um, and when you really miss them, when you start really missing them, and because you do, you miss your abuser. Um, what I did was I got angry. I reminded myself what really, really made me angry, and I was able to get through the emotional pain. Right, and I you had know what? my therapist I, I agree me with that the one. same thing. Anger can be a healthy tool, and mm -hmm. I've had my therapist tell me when I had to cut connections with more people in order to maintain my healthy relationships and, and my mm -hmm. healthy life, he said, it's okay to use anger as a healthy tool. Anger can be right. healthy. So remind yourself of the reasons that you cut contact and stay angry because that angry is going to keep your boundaries firm until you're strong enough to approach it from another uh, another emotion emotion uh, yeah and i was gonna say the other emotion and to get involved is think about all the cool great stuff you're gonna do with your life now that you're free because you're free to make your life any which way you want it right any which way mm -hmm. this is a brand new you this is a, you're shedding an old identity and walking into something really yes. great right um, let go of self-blame. Abuse is never your fault. It's always a choice. Bottom line. Reframe those thoughts. Um, you know, if you're, if you're struggling with negative thoughts, ask yourself if, if you'd blame a loved one for the same choices that you made in that situation. Or ask yourself, what evidence do I have to support this belief? Does this belief come from someone else or is it based in facts? And what's a different belief that might be more correct? Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> excuse me. Cut contact. Cut contact with your ex. The longer that they have 
an oh. avenue of connection to you, the longer they're going to be able to affect your mental health and your healing. So block their numbers, block their social media. If you have to co-parent yes. this person, anytime that you have to make contact or go and meet up with them to exchange children, make sure that you are taking a trusted friend a or third family party. member to be there with you so that their ability to control the situation is severed. Right? Yes, I've, I've been that support person for a couple yeah friends before and it helps tremendously especially when there's an he's an active abuser or she and shows up and it they get angry when you have a third party but it's a good thing mm -hmm. and um also i want to say guys no contact is the way to go if you can get away with it and i'll tell you why because they are going to manipulate and try every which way to get back in your good graces because you gave them this this energy of just here i'll do whatever right. you need and and they got it from you they got exactly what they needed and wanted from you why mm -hmm. would they not want to continue that right exactly. so they're gonna do that. and they will use the children that is a tactic of abuse on the power and right there if you, if you there watch is no three yeah. yeah, episode three. Yeah, there is no such thing, guys, <laughs> as being civil with a an abuser. There's just, there's no way. There's no way. When they're like, oh, let's just be civil. Let's just be friends. They're incapable. Don't believe well, them. Well, I went with you to the courthouse, or I went with you to the lawyer's office when you had to sign your divorce papers. That was something that you were not ready to face alone. And so I went with you, and I stood there to make sure that whatever communication occurred was only necessary communication and that it was civil. And I was prepared to grab you by the arm and march you right out that door, whether you signed the papers or not, if things got uncivil. And I could tell by his, uh, his um, body language, he was not happy. That he was not happy with that. He yeah. was not happy that I was there because it meant that it cut off his access to having private communication with you. But Add a girl, Megan. And um, <laughs> you know, if you have children together, get a custody order and a parenting plan in place with your local court system because then the court system can assign you a mediator to handle your mm -hmm. case and you will not mm -hmm. have to have direct communication with this person. Right. And you can, and you can have supervised exchanges too. I did that with my yep. ex. Yep. Um, put your physical safety first. If emotional or physical abuse took place, get a restraining order. Create the paper trail to protect yourself. Um, and heal before you get into another relationship. Getting into a new relationship when you're not healed can make the recovery process more challenging because not only are you trying to learn well, how to heal yourself and have healthy relationships, you're also trying to navigate the waters of a brand new relationship, which is challenging right. to be and often with. And often, let's get honest, without really doing the work, you're going to go out there and pick the same dude. I did right. it. 20 years of therapy and group and assisting counselors with students and 20 years in, in the program. And I went out and picked the sickest one yet. And it's I had not dated I hadn't dated in 10 years. Right. And I did Especially it again. when you have childhood trauma or other traumas yep, in your yep. past 
if there is a certain abuse cycle that you are used to, that you grew up in, that is your mm -hmm. comfort place because you knew how to survive there, until mm -hmm. you address that trauma as well, you're going to choose partners that are going to recreate that cycle for you over and over and over again. So yes. if you want healthy relationships, doing the work, doing the healing, doing the growth and the changing is absolutely necessary or you're not gonna attract a partner that has the qualities that you want because if you want a healthy partner you have to be a healthy partner yourself someone who wants a healthy partner is out there looking for a healthy partner right. who is going to grow and learn and become mm -hmm. even healthier alongside mm -hmm. them and you have to be in a place that you're ready to offer that if that's the kind of thing mm -hmm. you want. Mm -hmm. And and always, uh, you know, remember that healthy relationships have respect, trust, honesty, and empathy. And if they do not have those things and you do not feel that you are receiving your thing, those things in your relationship, trust your gut. Because your, your gut is going to tell you, your body is going to tell you when something is wrong and you have to learn to pay attention to it. Um, now, the last piece that we wanted to leave you with was how do you have a healthy relationship after trauma, after leaving domestic abuse, after healing from domestic abuse? Okay, I know all the ways not to do it. So right. how do... I do it. <laughs> communication exactly. is huge. Right. Communication. So communication. I, so, communication. Right. So I have a list here, and we're going to go through some traits of healthy relationships. And then after this piece, we have a surprise for you guys. Well, I mean, it's not a surprise because I announced it on social yeah, media. Yeah, but we're going but to do it. We're going to play Kaylee Bishop's song, Rewrite Your Story, because you can rewrite your story if you dedicate yourself to the healing path. And oh my gosh, it is so, 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 so worth it. So, um, new relationships. So again, you may not feel ready to start a relationship again. It took me four years to be to be ready to to even try again and I was so terrified because I had my son and I was like oh my gosh what if I bring these creeps home you know like so what what do you do if you're ready to try getting into another romantic relationship you know again remember that healthy relationships develop trust they develop emotional intimacy and they develop good communication skills um, healthy partners make time to spend quality time together that both parties enjoy and there is safe and welcome physical affection. Um, and any arguments are fair and conflicts are resolved respectfully with the intent of moving forward and establishing newer, healthier, healthier boundaries together. It is a partnership. Not one person should have more control and more say and more right to having their needs met than the other. You have to learn to communicate. You have to learn to compromise. You have to learn to care for each other. And that is a constant struggle daily. Yes. Right. For sure. Even healthy relationships yes. take a lot of work and maintenance. If you want your relationship to last, 
you have to put work into it. You have to be willing to grow. You have to be willing to change. You have to be willing to adapt. And I tell my son constantly, because he's 13 and he's, you know, looking at girls and going, oh man, mom, I want a girlfriend so bad. And I tell him, you know, bud, just wait. Focus on you because you have to be ready to meet the other person's needs. And I said, the person that is going to be mm -hmm. your perfect partner is going to be your very best friend in the entire world because when the new mm -hmm. romance fizzles off and it does you know it's it's mm -hmm. wonderful in the beginning but even healthy relationships they fizzle down and they set into you know a normal and when the when the new romance wears off what you're left with is your level of friendship and if you're not best friends you're not going to make it that's right very profound, Megan. Um, so there are patterns of behavior to look out for when you're getting back into the dating scene. Um, a strong emotional connection. You should be able to be vulnerable with your partner and vice versa. Emotions are, you need to be able to verbalize them and share them. And there needs to be respect for your feelings and, and for your share of, of power and control in the relationship. Your partner should never be pressuring you when you're vulnerable or not ready for anything and, or, or push you to share every thought. It's okay to have private thoughts. We're individuals. We need private thoughts. We need to be able to have that space to process for ourselves. Um, and you should be complimenting each other. If you're not complimenting each other's strengths and thanking each other when, when you're doing things for each other, just, just basically showing gratitude for each other. Mm -hmm. You need to be showing gratitude for each other. No one feels good if, if, if they feel taken advantage of or, or you know, right. dismissed away. So put in an effort to, to thank each other, to show the other person that you're grateful for the little things that they do, and or just for being there, for being your partner. Thank you for being my partner. Mm -hmm. um, yep, those are mm -hmm. huge. Your communication is open and honest. You should be able to talk to your, with your partner about the things that are bothering you, as well as your emotional wants and 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 needs, and the construct the 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 response that you get should be constructive and respectful at all times. Your, your feelings are valid. You have a right to share them. You, you have a right to express your needs and have your partner validate you for those um, you, you should be coming up with solutions together and coming up with compromises together. You know, in a healthy relationship, both partners have equal power and control. Both partners have a share in the responsibility. They have a share in the decisions. They have a share in the compromising. So if it's not equal, then there needs to be a discussion about, hey, I'm feeling out of balance here. Um, there needs to be active listening. When you're communicating with your partner or when your partner is communicating with you, you, you need to show, you need to give them their full attention you need to show active listening. Make little noises to let them know that you're paying attention. Mm-hmm. Or go on. Or, or yeah, yeah, I get it. You know, like validate them as they're speaking. Reframe what they're saying. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing that, you know, work was really frustrating for you today. Let them know that you're paying attention and that their thoughts and feelings matter. Um, 
set expectations and boundaries. Partners should be aware of each other's needs and, and boundaries can fall into all areas of wellness within the relationship. They can be personal boundaries, they can be social boundaries, they can be financial boundaries, they can be sexual boundaries. Those are important, especially when you're recovering from sexual abuse. There's going to be some boundaries that need to be set there while the person is becoming comfortable with their ability to be intimate again. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and no partner should ever try to control the other. Both partners are going to have their individual boundaries and both partners are going to respect the other's boundaries. Um, and, and like, don't be afraid to raise your standards in a relationship. If you're not getting what yeah. you need from the relationship, then say, I'm not getting what I need. Either I need more or this isn't right. Right. You don't have to settle Absolutely. for less ever, ever again. Your voice is, mm -hmm. exactly. Your voice is your most powerful thing and you need to state what you need always because people aren't mind readers. Right. And right. from being in a codependent relationship, you might think, oh, I should just automatically get this. No, I promise you, somebody who's not being performative doesn't exactly. know sometimes. And so they need you to tell them how you're feeling or what you need. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's important to learn about your partner's needs, like understanding their expectations on intimacy and public displays of affection and confidentiality and even, hey, I need help around the house. Learn your partner's needs. Develop trust in your partner so that you can communicate those needs and be heard and be reciprocated to. Um, spend quality time with each other, especially when you've got kids at home. It's hard to, to make it out on a date night, but even choose like one date night a month. Okay, this week out of every month, we're going to go out and do something. And it doesn't have to be extravagant. If it's watching a movie in your bedroom with a bowl of popcorn, hey, you're still spending time with each other. And right. try new things and surprise each other. Um, you know, spontaneity can keep things fresh, but they don't have to be grand gestures. And remember those love bombing tactics that we talked about. If you're getting grand gestures like really early on, that's a warning yeah. sign. Normal healthy relationships don't do that. They build over time. And, yeah. and like, you know, a surprise can be as simple as picking your favorite movie to watch giving them a massage because they had a really tense day or cooking them their favorite meal. Hey, I know you really like fried chicken, so I brought home fried chicken for dinner. Oh my gosh, you're amazing. That's, you know, like little things. It's not about big extravagant things. It can be little things. It's chicken, oh my gosh. It's chicken. I don't know, chicken was just an example. If I, if, if, no, like, chicken. If you want to see me get really excited, Scotty brings home Chinese food or sushi, and that's when I'm like, I worship you in this moment right now. You know? <laughs> um, you're going to resolve your conflict respectfully. You're going to fight. There's going to be arguments. There's going to be disagreements. But how you handle it is what matters. Are you maintaining a calm demeanor? Are you taking deep breaths? Are you taking a break from the conversation if you have to? You know, don't bury the conflicts, but make sure that you're addressing any conflicts in a healthy way. And if you're seeing any of the red flags that we talked about during conflicts, that's a huge warning sign. Something right. needs to be addressed or something is very wrong. Um, 
apologize and forgive one another. And, and this means, you know, letting go of grudges. You, you, you each need to take responsibility for where a mistake was made. You need to address the other's hurt. You need to mend bridges and set new boundaries and goals with each other and then let it go. Dragging old issues out of the past unless they're relevant, that's another warning sign. So, um, you know, and learn to appreciate each other's differences. Learn each other's love languages. That's important. The more you know about each other, the better you're going to be at communicating and, 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 and filling each other's needs. You have to spend time together. You have to be intimate. You have to learn about each other. That's how you keep your relationship alive. Mm -hmm. And be open to change. Healthy relationships are always going to be changing and growing because healthy individuals are always going to be changing and growing. And you need to learn how to grow yes. change both individually and as a team. And together. Yes. Um, and then nurture each other's outside relationships with friends and family. Healthy people go and spend time with their family on their own. Mm -hmm. Healthy people go and spend time with their friends on their own. It doesn't take away from your relationship. We each need our own social support circles that we can go to when we need someone to talk to because, you know, there there are multiple needs that an individual has and your partner can't meet every need. It's okay to have friends that are helping to fill some of your emotional and social needs Absolutely. and that time spent apart just makes the time you spend together even more special. It doesn't take away from it. Well, if you put all of you, if you expect all of your interaction and validation and your needs getting met and all of those things on one person, it's going to be a drain. So it's actually good for, yes, it's actually healthy for your relationship to go out and, and get your needs met other ways, other healthy ways. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, and lastly, learn to love yourself first because positivity and healthy self-love attracts positivity and healthy self-love. And, and I, I tell my son this all the time. When you value yourself, when you know who you are, when you work on becoming the kind of partner that you want to have, you're able to build healthier relationships with people who truly yes. value you and when you become the kind of partner that you want to have that mm -hmm. kind of partner will be attracted to you because they're going to be looking for the same kind of partner right yes so and then <laughs> and then you, you just got to be brave enough to get out there and try and be secure enough in yourself to realize, okay, yeah, I like this person. It's scary, but I like this person or mm -mm, this ain't working for me. I got to move on. I got to cut and move on. So. <sighs> choose you every time. Choose you. Choose yep. yourself every, every time. time. Yep. And you are the author Every time. of your story. Only you get to decide what's right for you, what works for you, and what you want for yourself. Um, so with that, um, we're going to get ready to play. 
to pray to, to pray to pray to play Kaylee uh, Bishop's song rewrite story and she has recorded a special message for us to play for our viewers so I'm gonna play that and I just want to announce that um, the resources that were used in today's episode are going to be up later. And I'm also going to try and have this on YouTube later because my internet is like a million times faster now. <laughs> <laughs> so, Yay, technology. Um, yep. and, and, you know, if you, have any, if you have any comments, if you have any questions, if you want to reach out to either Stephanie and I, please do. We're always here, we're here. to pass on more reset resources more learning. Steph has her services available on her website. I'm hoping to have mine up in the beginning of the new year and we're going to start doing, uh, we're going to start combining specialties and doing services together so that you're getting both the spiritual and the psychological mind frame work together. Um, human. So yes. stay tuned for more, um, stay tuned for more um, announcements about that and next week we're going to be talking about, what are we talking about next week? Oh, you know what? I think next week was, um, next week was the, uh, thankfulness, a, a, gra a gratitude, gratitude mindset and how your mindset helps to adjust your mental health. And especially as we're getting ready to enter into the holiday season, which can be hard for a lot of people who are struggling with, 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 uh, trauma or, or abuse or, or no holiday situations, we have a we have a um holiday emergency plan to help yourself get through your holiday um fo uh, focus on on embracing the joy of your holidays but then also allowing yourself time to slow down and, and, and grieve because for those of us with those issues grief is a part of our holiday celebrations as well and that's okay so that's yep. next week yep and I will pull a card for us at the end of the video because I want to make sure that we have time to get the video played. And with that, let me do my uh, my button clicking here. Okay, so here we go. <laughs> we are going to be playing Kaylee Bishop's special message for us about her song, Rewrite Your Story. And we're going to watch her video on YouTube. The links are going to be um, below in the description. And actually, I will upload this to our Google Drive so that people can go on there and watch this clip as, as they want because it's it's pretty awesome. So, all right, here we go. Come on, buttons, do your job. Button, button. Who's got the button? Button, button, button. All right, it looks like it's working this time. Yay! Okay, so you gotta, you gotta tell me if you see the screen I, here. I'll tell you when. I, I see it, I see the screen. It there says it you is. started okay. screen. Okay, so let's play it. My name is Kaylee Bishop and I am the songwriter and performer of Rewrite Your Story. And it is my hope and prayer that anyone who listens to Rewrite Your Story can find breakthrough, can find restoration, find redemption because the story that you have existed in as of today everything that has happened to you everything you've done up until today does not have to be your future that is my hope and prayer 
I love that. <laughs> I love that. Okay, so now we are going to... Oh, we're going to switch screens and we're going to watch her song, which we were given permission to play. I'm very excited about it. Okay. We're going to click this and then I actually need to um, swap screens here. Okay. And then we'll go really big here. Alright. Here we go. They <laughs> <laughs> see a victim, I see a fight. They say you're broken, so prove them a lie. Cause you're not the sum of your past. All those bad things don't mean that.
got some technical difficulties I, that's, Almost like you. that's just my relationship with technology it just ah. <laughs> almost like there's two healers trying to deal with technology imagine right, right? Anyway. i can't keep yeah clocks in my house i mean <laughs> so anyway i want to say thank you so much to kaylee bishop for recording thank you kaylee for us it was beautiful and and so uplifting and she's absolutely right you can rewrite your story there, there's nothing stopping you from taking control of your own life back and from making it the life that of of your dreams yeah. it's just, there's steps that you got to take and we're here to help you take those steps if you need them and thank you again to kaylee bishop and songhouse for letting us play that beautiful song and helping them spread their message as well because music is is such an amazing healing tool and in the future um we'd like to have more segments like this where we're sharing these uplifting songs about hope and encouragement and mental health and and, and healing and even some of the ones that that help you express the darkness that's still there and the shadows that need to be addressed because music can be a way to give us a voice when we don't know the words to use. So if you are an artist out there who is making um, mental health music, healing music, uplifting music, PTSD, any of those things, please reach out to us. Let us know if you have a song that Binaural you can share. Yeah. Let us know if you have a song. That I'm you also want to interested share, in that, or a message that you have to share. And um, I have some video links I can send you on those. Um, and 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 we'd love to play your music and your personal message um, during our segment. So definitely reach out and let us know about that. Yes, please. <laughs> okay. So. What are the gods telling us now? <laughs> God is saying, no, I'm kidding. Um, I, am, I am not a prophet and I don't want to be. That's someone else's job and I do it wholeheartedly to him and I love him very much for doing it. <laughs> President Nelson, you rock. You know? <laughs> You are the world's grandpa, and I love you dearly. You can keep your job. <laughs> You're like, I don't want it. I don't want I don't it. Want it. Um, You're <laughs> I am blessed, a living and loving expression of the eternal union. And I think that that comes back to the fact that we are all divine children of a creator. We were created to embody love to learn how to love ourselves and how to love each other and when someone is choosing to harm that is is contradictory to what we are what we were created to do so just like we've been talking about today we need to look for the source mm -hmm. we need to heal it 
we need to make amends. We need to relearn how to live our lives and how to live our life with love and integrity and, and kindness. And if every individual focuses on learning how to do that in themselves and passing that on to their children, the world could be a very different place. And you were created to be creators here. Yeah. So you create your story. Right. So what's your headline gonna be? Right. Theme. I hope it's love, because that's what it should be. Oh, I use should. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's should. <laughs> it's really hard to. I'm, I'm gonna break the rule and say that that should is acceptable because we all should be operating from a place of love. That is the ultimate goal. I agree with that. So, all right. With that, we are gonna go ahead and end our live and then we'll record this segment and I will get it posted as soon as possible. And hopefully next time I will learn how to do this better or get better equipment. We'll see because this is my relationship with technology and I doubt it's gonna change. So. <laughs> I just wanna know how long until I can smoke. <laughs> As soon as I cut, as soon as I cut, as soon as I cut the live, you're good. So just give me a minute. <laughs> All right. We love you guys. And we'll be back with you next week for um, talking about the gratefulness mindset and how to take back your holidays after experiencing trauma. So have a fabulous week. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. And we will be here with all of you next Tuesday. Bye, guys. Absolutely. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Love you. Love you guys so much. Okay.